to the show called Let's Talk Homeschool. I'm Davis, and I'm with my lovely wife, Rachel, and we are your hosts. This is the show where we talk about everything homeschooling, the how, what, when, where, and why. We want to affirm, encourage, challenge, and inspire you in this adventure of a lifetime, and we want to celebrate everything you get to experience along the way. This podcast is sponsored by Apologia Educational Ministries. Go to Apologia.com, a great place to explore creation. Today's show is titled, The New Socialization. Okay, Rachel, let's talk homeschool. So let me ask you a question, Rachel. Have you ever heard of Ivan Pavlov? I have indeed. You have? Yes. So when I say that name, it rings a bell? Yeah. Very good. Yes, it rings a bell. And, and why, why, why is that so <laughs> punny? Because his most famous experiment was based on a dog's response or dog's response to the ringing of a bell. Aha. Uh-huh. You have heard of his dogs. I have. So, yeah, he conditioned them to expect food after the ring of a bell, and he observed that they would salivate after they heard a bell even if the food delivery was delayed. And he believed that humans could be controlled in similar ways. That's terrifying. It is. <laughs> but it has been proven over and over and over. Yes. Yeah, so that leads us to thinking of government-run public schools with bells ringing to end the, uh, to signal the end of a class period. So th- this really is no different than Pavlov's idea of manipulating events by introducing what a psychologist call a stimuli preceding behavior. That is, the ringing of a bell to produce salivization in dogs. So, think of classroom settings. You ring a bell or the teacher signals to sit, stand, be quiet, go to the next class, etc. And so, right, and and so there's a relationship that a lot of these people, social engineers, saw between stimuli and response or environment and behavior. So this, this is powerful stuff, which then leads us to peer pressure and that whole thinking. So did you ever experience peer pressure growing up? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know that you can escape. I think at some level we all experience peer pressure. Unless you live on a desert island, I don't think you get a ticket away from that. I mean, the reality is you see other people doing things. Unfortunately, the, the issue with peer pressure often is you don't stop and think long enough about the fact that you're seeing people do other things and whether or not you should do it, there's that evaluation step is often skipped and you just jump in and do what everybody else is doing. That's the real danger of it. You know, if we could all pause and think and contemplate the larger and more important things of life, when we're feeling that pressure, that would be awesome. And that's what we're called to do as Christians. But certainly young people it's very difficult to arrest that thought pattern and consider it, and it's even more difficult, I would suggest, to stand against the tide. Well, right. It's a very powerful force. It I mean, is. I, I, I remember right. first hearing the term peer pressure when I was in junior high, mm-hmm. and then I started observing it mm-hmm. because, yeah, young kids and teens, they'll follow the herd to be accepted by the cool kids, yeah. to avoid being bullied, um, it's powerful. Well, a lot of it, I mean, that's understandable, right? I mean, who doesn't want to be accepted by the cool kids? Who doesn't, who wants to be bullied? I mean, there's a lot of it that makes sense, right? It's it's the power of it, though, that can make you do really bad things that well, is right. really concerning. Yeah. Right. It conditions you to 
think, feel, and behave in ways that you might not actually think, feel, and believe is right and wrong. Right. You're and, adopting them just to get along. Right. It's that group think that's mm-hmm. very hard to resist. Yeah. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is what we call socialization. Right. Obviously not the good kind. Right. So basically the students have to learn the rules of the jungle. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to survive. Right. They conform to the rules of their peer group, mm-hmm. and then they respond to certain stimuli, just like a dog responds to the ringing of the bell because they anticipate something else happening after that. Well, they anticipate, they learn to anticipate a response. So, right, when they go along with everybody and do what everybody else is doing or what everybody else has accepted or what everybody else is advocating for, they get a certain certain reward for that. And the converse is also true. So if they dare to stand up against something or they don't participate or they don't go along with something, let's say that someone's cheating and you're supposed to just go along and ignore it and instead perhaps you have the courage to turn them in right that's frowned upon mm-hmm. it's frowned upon more and I, so this is one of my experiences of peer pressure so i remember there was ongoing cheating in a class in high school and this teacher was older he was one of the beloved professors or teachers that i had in high school I just love this guy, but he just thought everybody was amazing. He did not, for a moment, think that this one student, I don't think it ever occurred to him that this student would ever do anything like this because this student was also a brown noser, right? And and I could see through it. Other students could see through it. But the cheating, for me, just put me over the edge. I was just like, oh, my goodness, are you kidding me? And I will confess to having overlooked it for a while because I just thought I just whatever. But it reached a point where I was just like, I cannot do this. I cannot stand by and do this. And I remember talking to my basketball coach, who was one of my high school heroes. And one of the things, you know, he advised, he did not ask for the student's name or the teacher or anything like that. And he said, you know, this is one of the things that you'll see for the rest of your life. And it is always interesting that you didn't get them in trouble. They got themselves in trouble. That was the way he framed it for me. And I do think it's a tragedy when you see a cultural shift where the people are standing up for what's right are more in danger of being wronged right. than the yeah, people who right. actually <laughs> did the wrong. And I, They know, weren't properly socialized. They weren't. And I think that that's a real problem. And I really do think we're seeing more and more and more of that. More and more it's becoming socially acceptable and in some instances, maybe even required to look the other way. Oh, but, but wait, that's not even true. I have to even admit, amend that. You're not supposed to look the other way. You're By all means, get out your cell phone and record this, but don't intervene, <laughs> right? So, yeah, that's the socialization of our day. And you see it on the evening news. You see it everywhere. People are, they're going along. Well, and as a homeschooler, We've probably all heard the classic question when you inform somebody that you're going to homeschool and they ask, what what about about socialization? socialization? (laughs) And this is what they're talking about. They're actually saying that if you don't keep your kids in the institution, they won't be accustomed to the rules of the jungle and they won't be able to function outside the four walls of the institution. Right. They're just so concerned not actually about whether or not your kids are going to be able to survive 
when they leave your home as though they never leave your home? I mean, it's kind of, it's such a ridiculous question at the end of the day because the character qualities and issues that we wrestled through and faced in the four walls of our house, just amongst ourselves, were the most important kind of issues that kids need to face and wrestle through without the woke agenda and without the punches flying, right? So it's not like you're at home and everything's always rosy and always perfect and your kids don't have to learn how to navigate relationships. I would suggest they have to navigate relationships even more intensely in your home than they would, only it's in a safe and secure and loving environment. Right, that's that's right. the huge difference. Right. So if we, if we talk about the negative socialization, it is surprising what people will compromise under the influence of peer pressure and negative socialization. Right. So let's look at some modern day examples where the peer pressure is so great that people are um, going along with the notion that the emperor has no clothes. So one question, can men get pregnant? No. Well, you would think not, but in some recent polls, 22% of Democrats answered yes to that question. Yeah. Now, because it's social because the pressure is so intense to go along with this right now. Everybody thinks that it's they're going to score somewhere to make this stand, but it's not true. Right. Everybody knows, including everybody that's agree- saying they believe that, they know that only a biological woman I can I love you, Davis. I don't think that's true. I think there are people who have absolutely convinced themselves because I think that's what lostness does to you. Well, Remember the passage? It, that's true. When the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? People can believe, and people want to believe. We were wired to believe. We were wired to put our faith in something. We were wired for community. I actually think some of these people believe this stuff. Well, you, you may be right, and I think you could make a case for that, but I think the point I want to make on this is that people are conforming to the group think right. because of the peer pressure. No, I totally Even agree Even if that. they don't agree with it, I agree. they don't dare go against the tide of these radical uh, gender theory um, leftists right. and, and the agenda that they're pushing. Well, I read a study the other day, I think I told you about it, where they had, I don't know how many people in a room, and they asked these people in this room a series of woke ideological questions and people had to raise their hands in front of everybody else as to whether or not they agreed with any of these questions, okay? And then same group of people, same list of questions to answer anonymously. It was astounding how different the answers were when people didn't have to raise their hand in front of everybody else. Yep, yep, I, believe I mean, that's a thing. People are so afraid of being called... A bigot about being called a judgmental about any number of words instead of standing instead of a truth sayer, <laughs> people are afraid of being characterized in these other ways. Right. So let's talk about one other negative socialization issue, and then we'll move to the new socialization. Yay. So what about transgender athletes? Should biological men who identify as a woman be allowed to compete in women's athletic events? No. Well, apparently. Many people either see nothing wrong with that, or perhaps they do and they see all the lack of logic, or the, but they're willing to go along with the insanity. Yeah. 
And again, it's all posturing. People are just, and I really do believe, so biblically, we are instructed to fear the Lord. Solomon says the big, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? You're going to fear something. And so when people choose, instead of fearing the Lord, to fear men, their behavior goes south and they succumb to peer pressure. Paul talked about this, right? If I was serving men, he says, I'm, this is the RRSV, the Rachel's Revised Standard Version. Basically, Paul says, look, if I was worried about what men think, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I'd be living my life in a completely different way. But Paul proclaims we're supposed to fear God and God alone. That's what motivated Paul, and that's what's supposed to motivate us. But it gets really sketchy really quickly if you're afraid of man. Right. So you have fear God, not man. So by doing that, parents need to do some things. They need to take a stand. Yeah. Keep their kids home. Yes. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and raise them in the safest place on earth, which is a good, loving Christian home. Exactly. So we're going to assume you, our audience, are already homeschooling. So here's some things we want to encourage you to do to take full advantage of this moment with all the crazy peer pressure to believe and act and these negative ways versus what's possible at home. So one thing is don't bring public school into your home. Don't don't make your home look like uh, the government-run schools. It's not. It's your family dynamics. So make it unique to your family. Make it awesome. Make it memorable. Be intentional. We did a whole series on radically intentional parenting. Uh, you can listen to that series, but... Be intentional in all you do and all you don't do and create a culture and a lifestyle that's obviously family-oriented, Christ-centered, creation-based, biblically sound, and built on truth. And then it will be something beautiful. It'll be something true. It'll be something that can stand the test of time and stand, period, in a world that's totally broken. You know, it occurs to me, That's a great point, and I totally agree with you, but we probably need to do a whole podcast on what it looks like not to bring the public school home. Absolutely. Because I'm pretty confident that that's what we did at first because I didn't know what I was doing, and the only thing I knew was public school, right? And so I just want to say, if that's you, you know, if you know that that's what you're doing, don't quit and put them on the bus. Um, Baby steps, right? You've got them home. Let's go from there. But you're exactly right. What we're advocating for here in not bringing the public system home means that that is not a system worth replicating. The opportunity that you have at home is to do something totally unique. And so we'll talk about that more in depth in another episode. But for now, I would suggest we would encourage you to pursue developing a rhythm in your educational pursuits for your children that is unique to your family. And so that may or may not be a schoolroom, that may or may not be a chalkboard, that may or may not be X, Y, and Z, but you have an opportunity to create this place, this safety where, where your children can learn to love learning and it can be a joy and these relationships can grow and flourish. So that's what we're saying, but we'll talk about it more in detail. Yeah, we'll definitely have a... a, a an episode on that topic, not bringing public school home. So um, how does one feel the freedom 
and direct their kids' education to create this healthy home context that we're talking about. What I like to, what I want to call the new socialization. You know that. I think that's one of the things that we as humans really grapple with is we want freedom, but I don't know that we always know what to do with it once we get it. And I think we see that in a variety of different ways. But the freedom that we're talking about here is literally, you know, you bring them home, you're outside the box now officially, if you think about the government institution as the box, now you're outside of the box. So if you were going to develop how, what can we do that would be the most important Davis and I always advocate for those relationships first. Relationship, your kids with God, your children's relationship with you as the mom and the dad, and your children's relationships with each other. Those primary, fundamental, foundational relationships just within the family. I really think that that needs to be one of the primary things you do. And that's completely different than what they would do in the public school system. But within that framework of those relationships, that is socialization. You're going to have strengths and weaknesses. You're going to have a lot of sin because we are sinful human beings. And you're going to have to figure out how are you going to navigate that? How are you going to encourage each other? How are you going to keep people at each other and call each other to account? And what are you going to do with your sin? And how are you going to confess it and repent and forgive and all of that, right? And that's the ideal setting. And I would propose to you that as you do that, as you develop those relationships, as you navigate those character qualities and weakness and the whole issue of sin, you are setting the stage and you are actually already doing the best, most formative, most important socialization that your kids will ever get. Very well said. One of the things I was going to say, too, since we talked about some of the negative socialization Mm -hmm. is in your home, the new socialization is where boys are boys and girls are girls. Imagine Uh, that being so radical. uh, And boys are different than girls. They are. And if you're a parent of both, you you can see what we mean by that. Mm -hmm. They just come out of the chute different. Uh, but it's also some of the things you were saying. It, it's a home, a place where God is loved and yes. worshiped and feared, where you teach your kids to love God mm-hmm. with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you you work on that first and greatest commandment of all. It's a place where wisdom is pursued, acquired, and treasured, where you nurture your children. The verse we referred to earlier on in here was Ephesians 6, 4, uh, where it says, uh, admonishes uh, dads not to exasperate their children but instead to raise them up and train them in the nurture and admonition and instruction of the Lord. And so get to know your kids. Make an emotional bond. Train them, discipline them, instruct them in righteousness. And I mean, here's how I would, would say it. I never doubt the love of a parent for their child. A parent typically loves a kid, their kid, more than anybody else is ever going to love them. So you care about them. You want uh, to make sure they are well taken care of. And I can't think of a better place for them to be educated than in your home. Yeah. And the other thing I was just going to say on your list, there's a great list. The other thing that you do in your home is you acknowledge the existence of truth, foundational truth. Absolutely. Instead of denying it. That is probably the number one value of the negative socialization of the government school institutions right now is the is the across the board denial of fundamental truth 
And that is, to me, the, you know, right there, the number one thing we can give to our kids is the truth of Jesus Christ, the existence of God, the re- reality of sin, the gift of Jesus Christ paying for that, and His sure return. I mean, that's, that's the truth. So giving that to your kids. There you go. God, family, homeschooling, the new socialization. You can do this, and it is so good, true, and beautiful. Well, this is the time where we need to bring this conversation to a close. So thank you for listening. We'll hope you'll join us again next time. If you liked what you heard, please send us an email. That would be podcast at apologia.com. This is Let's Talk Homeschool, and we are your host, Davis and Rachel Carmen. We want to thank our sponsor, Apologia Educational Ministries. Their mission is to help homeschooling families learn, live, and defend the Christian faith. Apology is the number one publisher of creation-based curricula for homeschooling families with hundreds of number one awards. They're best known for their science curricula. And now Apologia publishes a creation-based elementary level math series. It's been field tested and is designed specifically for the homeschooling family. It contains strong science and faith connections, which makes it unique and the reviews are outstanding. Go to apologia.com math, a great place to explore creation with mathematics. Have a great day, and until next time, we are walking by faith and enjoying the homeschooling adventure of a lifetime.